Blues have the puck. Thomas off the wall. Shoots, and it's in. It's they good. score! It's the St. Louisan. Pat Maroon. Bring out the Zamboni. Pat Maroon just put the city on his shoulders, and he sends him to the conference finals. A 2-1 win in double overtime over the Dallas Stars. Welcome to the Blue Line Podcast. Presented by the Athletic St. Louis. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy Rutherford and Cristiano Simonetta. And welcome into the Blue Line podcast from the Athletic St. Louis. My name is Jeremy Rutherford, and we have episode number nine for you coming up. And guess what? It's the Western Conference Finals. The Blues have made it with a seven-game victory over the Dallas Stars in round two. And to break it down, we're going to look back at the Dallas win and we're going to look ahead of course to the san jose series that's coming up on saturday we have our usual partner cristiano simonetta alongside of us and also we bring to you jamie rivers the former blue uh, he's a colleague of mine at 101 espn nice enough to join us so i want to welcome in both of you guys jamie jr how are we doing today good, buddy really good cristiano I'm doing good, Jeremy. The Blues are in the Western Conference Final for the second time in four seasons. If you told us that in December or January, I don't think any of us would have believed you. And I don't think people would have believed a lot of the uh, teams that made it through the, uh, the initial first round and into the second round. And you look at Carolina in that Eastern Conference Final. Pretty surprising, and uh, it's been uh, very entertaining. I'm going to ask you guys about Game 7 the other night, Blues in Dallas. I know, Jamie, you were there. Cristiano, you were watching. Uh, I'll tell you what, I had a lump in my stomach that entire time. I got no rooting interest. You, you watch the game. Whatever happens, happens. But you cannot watch Game 7 uh, in the NHL without having it tug at you, can you? Yeah, that's a uh, – gosh, that's a tough one, right? Because here I am, and I'm learning this uh, press box etiquette, as they call <laughs> it, right? And being a former player and being a former St. Louis Blues player, and obviously I'm uh, very much invested into the St. Louis Blues. And yeah, as it, you should be. It was, it was tough. It was a nail-biter for sure. You could feel the energy in the building. And I remember as it got into overtime – you know, you're sitting there and you're trying not to think about anything negative, like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen because, well, stop thinking about that because if it if I think that way, maybe it'll happen and you start to play games with yourself. And I actually remember at one point, like, literally stopping my own breathing every <laughs> time the puck came across the blue line into our zone. And I was, like, catching myself going, oh, my gosh, breathe, breathe. But, yeah, I mean, it was uh, an intense series, two really evenly matched teams, two really uh, the great coaching from both sides. I mean, it was goaltending. Any way you want to slice it, the matchup head-to-head was all that it was anticipated to be. And uh, obviously, you know, Cristiano, you can speak to this too, is you can't write a better ending for that series than what happened. I mean, the big rig puts in the Game <laughs> 7 double overtime winner, and here we are, you know, still talking about it. But uh, I thought it was fantastic, Cristiano. Yeah, well, number seven, May 7th at a 7 p.m. start time in game seven. It was something you joke about before the game. Oh, he's got to score the game winner, right? But in the exact fashion that you bring in Pat Maroon for, those dirty goals right around the net. Robert Thomas makes a heck of a play at the right circle. He was buzzing the entire series, arguably the Blues' best player, five-on-five up front. And he makes that outstanding move to the inside, off the post, off Ben Bishop's noggin. And that was the kind of play that you needed against Ben Bishop when you throw 53, 54 shots against him in that game seven. I think Ben Bishop's only one of six or seven guys to ever record that many saves in a game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Blues were able to get it done. And for me, as a Blues fan growing up and only seeing the Blues 
come back from a 3-2 series deficit. I was three years old at the time. Pierre Turgeon scored in overtime against the Phoenix Coyotes in Game 7. You think when they lose Game 5, the Blues do against Dallas. Oh, this series, you know, they can never get it done in Game 6, especially on the road. They flip the script there, and then they cap it off with an incredible Game 7 victory at Enterprise. Hey, Christiana, one of the three of us was on the ice for that game against the <laughs> and it uh, wasn't Coyotes. Me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You just said he, he was three years old at the time. Now I feel ancient. <laughs> like I used to have my walk, walker parked at the door here. Jamie, before we get into this uh, San Jose series, just what was that game like? And obviously, uh, just end to end, and you get the one goal from Turge and, and, and go on in advance. Uh, it probably had to feel like it did the other night. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, being down 3 1 in the series, battling back. And then for me, the biggest. The biggest story of the whole thing, and, and it's it's been documented, and but I'll refresh people's brains here a little bit, is Grant Fuhrer, we're headed into overtime here in St. Louis, and he stands up and he asks for the attention of everybody, and that never really happened. Grant was a quiet guy, just did his thing, and he literally stands up and says, uh, hey guys, uh, if you guys get me to a game seven, I promise you, they won't score. Wow. And so we're like, oh, okay, you know, like, okay, well, well, I'm sitting there going, that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's Grant Fuhrer. I'm just a young guy at the time. But then, you know, looking back now and in game seven, we win one nothing in double overtime. Now it's like it gives you chills, you know. It's pretty cool. So I'll never, ever forget that series and certainly that moment. Yeah, we're going to break down this uh, third round against the Sharks, but I do want to ask you guys, and this will be a little bit of a primer to our Sharks uh, uh, preview, is what impressed you the most? about this round against the Dallas Stars. What did the Blues do? What did Craig Berube do that just said, this team has the ability to take it to that next level? We'll go with Jamie first. Yeah, you know, Craig has made a lot of great decisions since he's taken over, and I think that that's had a huge impact on the team in more ways than one. You know, one, you look at it is, yes, he's been right with what he's done with his adjustments, his line changes, his tweaking of guys in and out of the lineup. But what where it really pays off is once you – you know, have guessed right. You know, we'll say guess, but once you've done it right a number of times, the players now, not only do they believe in what you're doing, but they no longer question why you're doing Good it. Good point. And, you know, just like anything in life, any job you have, if you truly believe in what your boss is selling you, then you're more passionate to execute that. And if you believe that it's the right thing to do, then it's amazing how much harder you work that way. So for me, uh, Craig Berube's decisions have all been for the best of the team. It's never been about setting up one individual for success. It's been all about the St. Louis Blues and all about getting this team to play better and getting them as far as he possibly can. And so for me, the buy-in by the players has been phenomenal based upon those things. And if you, you know, if you, the one thing to have the success, yes, okay, but in order to be really successful, you have to have everybody want to fall into their roles and perform it to the best of their ability. And Craig Berube, you know, another example of the other night, the big bear hug with Pat Maroon <laughs> afterwards, right? Guys, that wasn't fake. That's real. And it's real because Pat Maroon has struggled. And we're just – I'll highlight him for a little bit here. He struggled up and down all year. Then he finds a home online. Craig Berube sets him up for success, you know, outlines a plan for Pat Maroon and that line. And then they go and have a moment like that. It's just one player that has that feeling in the moment with Greg Berube. Several guys could have had that bear hug at the same time. So to me, that's where the difference is in being successful and not successful under a coach who sometimes 
make some, you know, different tough decisions. Yeah, you know, Cristiano does a great job with the video clips uh, during the game. We all follow him, and, you know, he's had some recent clips. With a celebration shot the other day, you saw Steve Ott and how excited he was. Uh, I saw Mike Van Ryan at the uh, practice today, and I said, hey, Mike, I saw you guys just go bananas on the bench after that win the other night, and he said, you, you're not supposed to see that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but just super excited. But, hey, uh, Cristiano, a lot of things to choose from here, whether it be uh, the performance of Jordan Binnington, uh, whether it be overcoming – uh, what the what uh, Ben Bishop was able to do for the Dallas Stars the other night, going on the road to Dallas and continuing their their uh, top level play uh, on the road. What 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 do you pick out as your number one takeaway from that series? Well, branching off of what Jamie said, that belief system, that buy-in, the word that I want to use is adversity. And the Blues have not done a great job of overcoming adversity in previous playoff years, whether it's the Chicago series in 2013, the LA Kings series in 2014. And when the Blues go down 3-2, you get the opening goal from Alex Petrangelo 63 seconds into Game 6. Tyler Sagan ties the game up on the power play, and Dallas has just given it to the Blues. Absolutely thrown the neutral zone play. The odd man rushes are starting to get there. Jordan Bennington's holding the fort. But the Blues, they bend but don't break. It was that same phrase you used with Ben Bishop in Game 7. He's making all these saves, keeping his team in it. But also, remember that Game 7 goal for Matt Zuccarello. How many times have we seen those poor bounces, either off a skate, off a stick, and unfortunately Jay Bomeister has been in the conversation of those plays throughout the 2018-19 season, including that one goal from Essa Lindell earlier in the series. But that goal off the skate of Mark Jonette, side of the net, and then right to Zuccarello who had that wide-open 6 by 4 and almost missed. He hit the post, then Biddington and in. You, you throw your head in your hands and you say, how on earth can that happen in a Game 7? The game's tied, but what do the Blues do? They stick to the game plan. They roll all four lines. They get offensive zone time. They're able to go low to high with ease. They break down the cycle from Dallas at the other end. Jordan Bennington turns into this excellent puck handler, diffusing the forecheck for the Dallas Stars. And I just think the Blues had a different mindset this Game 7. They turn it completely around in the series. And had Dallas on the ropes, you outshoot them by 24 shots. You outshoot them 18 to one in the second period. It was a different Blues team than we've seen in years past, and is a reason why they're headed to the Western Conference Final. Yeah, Cristiano, just to comment on that too, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, this is a Blues team that the adversity that they've faced and the way they've overcome all of these different things throughout the season, and as a group doing it, and under Craig Berube doing it, that was a possessed group. I mean, it was much different than I've seen in the past to where you're playing the overtime, hoping not to make a mistake. The Blues were initiating. I remember watching the first overtime, and, you know, Alex Petrangelo is cycling down the wall and taking the puck down deep into the offensive zone, making a pass to uh, Joel Edmondson, who's in the front of the net. And you just wouldn't have seen that before. And that, to me, shows a team that was oozing confidence and a team that really wanted to go out there and grab the victory and wasn't worried about losing it that way. The one thing I'll pick is their uh, road play. You know, it wasn't a fluke what they did in the regular season. It's tough to win on the road in the playoffs. I know maybe not as tough as 15, 20 years ago, but it is still difficult. And when you look back at these two series, the first round against Winnipeg, to go in there and I know in miraculous fashion win that game five and then come back home and win game six. And then what they did after losing at home to Dallas to go down their elimination game, this could have all been over. We could not have been talking about a game seven. We could not be talking about San Jose. To go down to Dallas and win uh, was, uh, I just thought, uh, you know, just terrific. The way this team continues to battle uh, that type of adversity. You look at uh, San Jose, uh, the San Jose 
Sharks, I have them 25, 11, and 5 at home. They're going to have the home ice advantage in this series. And let's get into uh, this matchup. Uh, what are your initial thoughts, Jamie, when, when you hear last night that you see the San Jose Sharks beat Colorado in Game 7 and set up the matchup? Yeah, you know, initial thoughts are that it reminds me a lot of the Winnipeg series. Uh, I see a team that uh, has some pretty big guys. They have uh, a real good punch of three, four guys up front. Certainly you have to highlight Brent Burns and Eric Carlson on the back end. You can't discount Mark Edward Vlasic. He's uh, a pickles, pickles, as they yeah. call him. Uh, <laughs> he's been a steady defenseman for forever in the NHL. And so these guys have top three defensemen comparable to what the Dallas Stars had to offer. So I think a lot of that matches up the same. I think physically it's going to be much like the Winnipeg series. I also think that that plays into our favor. I think we can grind them down. I don't believe they're as deep as we are, but uh, this is a team that's hard to play against. They have they have a reason to play. like Just much like the Blues have a reason to make this the Hollywood story of the season, you know, the San Jose Sharks are using Joe Thornton as a motivation factor, and they're talking about getting Joe to the cup or getting Joe, you know, his ring. That's going to be the storyline here. It's it? going to yeah. be the storyline for San Jose, and, you know, it's a great one. I don't blame them for it. But, you know, we're going to have to make sure that we're playing solid and we're going to have to take that that optimism away from them. And I felt like that's what we've done really good in the first two series is, yes, other teams have played well, but the way we've stayed with it and grinded teams down, it's almost like we slowly pulled the life out of them. And I think that we can get there probably even quicker against the San Jose team. I do believe that uh, Martin Jones is not – the same goalie as we saw in in Hellebuck or in Bishop. I think that he can be gotten to. I know his record has been better lately, but I do believe that we can get to him early and often, and we're going to have to. You know, the Sharks are are a very good team at home. That is a tough place to play, and, I mean, you know you've been there. It's like a big giant tin can, and the noise just bounces off of everywhere, and those fans are hungry. They're hungry to watch the Sharks play good, score goals. They want to cheer. They want to yell. They want to be rowdy, so – uh, home ice advantage, it, although it's m- more so a thing of the past, I think is very relevant when it comes to this series. So the Blues are going to have to be ready from the get-go. And then I think it's just the same as it's been for them for the last half of the season. Just stick to the program. Believe in yourselves. Stick to the systems. And good things will happen. Yeah. And, and Christiana, before we get into that goaltending matchup, we want to break that down. Uh, let's talk about uh, the 5-on-5 five five play. Uh, what do you have 5-on-5-wise, five five Cristiano? Well, Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko have to do more, first of all, on the St. Louis side. But let me just break down O'Reilly and Tarasenko. O'Reilly's numbers, his points per 60 minutes at 5-on-5 five five in the regular season, 2.17 points. I mean, that's that's a great number. And you look at the postseason now, it's 1.43. Tarasenko, only one point at even strength in the postseason. It's a goal. It was that spectacular goal in Game 1 against the Dallas Stars. So you look at how the Blues superstars have fared at even strength. You look at San Jose now. There's a lot of guys on that roster for San Jose that Pete DeBoer has going each shift, night in and night out. Jonas Donskoy is a guy who I want to circle for this series moving forward. He's on their third line, uh, or rather fourth line, if you even want to call it a fourth line, with Barkley Goodrow and Melker Carlson. So a bottom six role player like Jonas Donskoy, who had a big goal in Game 7 against the Colorado Avalanche, 
He is always going to be tenacious as they come. He's first down on the forecheck, even if he's not the first one on the dump-in. And then you have Marcus Sorensen, a speedy guy through the neutral zone at 5-on-5. Five five. If you go to 4-on-4 four four play, he's a guy you want to worry about. The Sharks can just beat you in so many different ways. You look at their top six, Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, Gustav Nyquist. That's their first line. And Meyer was a big part of that 3-2 victory over the Blues in March. He had a pair of goals. And Evander Kane, Tomas Hurdle, Joe Pavelski, they round out the top six for Pete DeBoer's club, and what a pair of forward lines for the San Jose Sharks. They love having the puck on their stick. They're very hard to bump off the puck. They're speedy through the neutral zone. You may not want to talk about Joe Bavelski. He's a fast guy, but he is a meticulous guy and always finds himself in the right areas. The Sharks score 3.07 goals a game. They're very dangerous, especially if you give them chances on the power play, and the Blues are going to have to be able to stop them because if San Jose gets off to an early lead in the series, it may be tough to come back simply because of the firepower that the Sharks boast up front. Well, Jamie, this goes back to what we were talking about just a couple minutes ago is, is the depth. And uh, the Blues, we thought going into the Dallas series, they had an advantage depth-wise over the Stars. And uh, you go into this matchup, and uh, they've got some guys on their uh, second, third lines that can play. We saw a brilliant goal last night by Jonas uh, Donskoy. Cristiano just referenced him. How do you think the Blues stack up depth-wise against the Sharks? First, let's talk about the forwards. Well, I think what we've learned from our forwards is, you know, we've had a little bit of a rotation. Zach Sanford's been there, uh, Robbie Fabry, and now Sammy Blay. And if you look at our lines, I mean, that's that's four lines plus two guys deep. And I'm not even bringing up other guys that are capable of playing. Those are guys that have been active already in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we've been successful. So we're four lines plus deep. And I, I just don't know if the Sharks or – any team, rather, matches up that deep with us, man for man. And you you look at game six, Craig Berube starts the fourth line to start the game. And you look at that and you're like, wow, like talk about confidence in a group. That's a, that's a great way to start the game. But it also shows you that their fourth line probably isn't a fourth line. It's probably more like a third line on any other team in the NHL. So I believe the depth for the Blues up front uh, it's going to produce a lot. You know, I think we've got 15 different goal scorers on the team. Uh, a lot of that comes from the forward depth that we have. So I'm really confident that our depth up front for the Blues is going to outmatch the Sharks in that category. Pretty fitting. You talked about the big rig getting that game winner the other night. The St. Louis uh, native scores that goal. But also pretty fitting, Jamie and Cristiano, uh, for the fact that that line was the best line throughout that series and probably throughout the playoffs when you talk about the line centered by Ty- or by Tyler Bozak and then with the big rig and then also uh, Robert Thomas, who I want to talk about him for a second, is uh, has just, uh, to me, he's a breakout player. I mean, people keep asking who's going to be the breakout out player in the next series I don't know if you say that Robert Thomas already has broke out just because he's he's been phenomenal I mean we saw his progression Jamie and Cristiano throughout the regular season he'd show flashes but I think we're seeing it a lot more the puck handling ability the skating the, the ability to just turn on a dime and get himself into a better situation is flat out amazing yeah you know this is a guy that uh his edge work is phenomenal he gets in and out of tight spaces as good as anybody I've seen in in recent hockey uh, you know, and he's partnered with a couple of guys who are a real lunch pail type players. Tyler Bozak is very seldom in the wrong position. He's always in a good spot to support the play. Big Rig does a tremendous job along the walls and dragging on pucks and, and dragging out time of possession. And a guy like Robert Thomas, he's just flat out flying. He's getting more confident every time he touches the ice, and he's making plays now at high speeds. And you watch him operate, and you just it's almost like you can – 
physically see him maturing and getting better every shift that he's out there. And it was no surprise to me that he would have an impact on the game the other night. In you know, we're all we're watching it live, and after two periods. Uh, I tweeted out, I'm like, I would consider double shifting this guy right now because he was just flying. And imagine that, talking about a young guy like that who, you know, is not supposed to be the impact player on a series. Now you're literally hanging your hat on him going, this guy could be the difference. And, you know, Cristiano, lo and behold, he becomes the difference, right? He's the personification of the cliche stick handling in a phone booth. And he goes through the offensive zone and a lot of people were critiquing his play earlier in the year of, oh, he's just spinning around. He, he's curling at the half boards. He's not really taking the puck to the net. But people don't understand how important the possession in the offensive zone was against the Dallas Stars. When you're hemming them in, you're tiring them out, you're grinding them out. You mentioned, Jamie, the way that the Blues are able to grind those teams down to the latter portions of the series they kind of lose their energy and they die out a little bit in the back end of those defensive zone shifts. And Robert Thomas was a big part of that. That third line cycling around the puck with Bozak and Maroon. You follow the roulette wheel, it seems, due to the amount of puck possession that that line boasted. And Robert Thomas is only 19 years of age. He's a guy in his first season in the National Hockey League, first birth in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it gives you a reminiscence of that 2016 playoff series by Robbie Fabry. That run that he had in 2016 against Dallas against San Jose even and especially against the Chicago Blackhawks it's a young talent for St. Louis that has brought them to this point but number 18 in blue has done everything right and that's something that you didn't necessarily expect but you knew that Thomas had the potential coming off of his spectacular rookie year at the end of it where he was really starting to become his own individual player and fitting in beautifully with Bozak and Maroon. Yeah, well said, uh, Cristiano. And, uh, Jamie, I think you're two for two on these predictions. Did you or did you not call a Sammy Blay goal in his uh, first game? And now you're saying they should double shift Robert. Is there any way you can text me that info before you say it on there? I'll tweet it, and I'll look like the smart guy, please. Oh, man. You know, it's just years of being involved in the game and watching it and just kind of going through some of it as a player myself at times. You can – see things developing and with Sammy Blay you know uh, he's been a goal scorer his whole career American League junior everything the only where the only place he hasn't really been a goal scorer per se is the NHL and I feel like he's been locked in a cage right up until that point and then when I saw that he's playing with O'Reilly and Perron I'm thinking to myself hey even Jamie Rivers could get a scoring (laughs) chance playing with those guys so I, I you know process of elimination gets me to the point where I think that yeah he could score a goal and Robert Thomas, I mean, he did all the work. You're watching that. I mean, anybody could have said, hey, look at this guy deserves to be double shifted. But uh, just years of watching the game, <laughs> JR. And, uh, you know, I got to keep all my little nuggets to myself yeah, a little do, bit. Yeah, here. at your Twitter account. You know what it reminded <laughs> me of, though, Cristiano? It reminded me game two. I followed Bobby Plager around for the entire game. And uh, he just can't watch, right? He stays away. We, you know, he might watch replay here and there. But if you saw the video at the end of the piece, you saw where uh, there's three or four minutes left to go in the game. The Blues have a power play. And Bobby, without watching the game, says, well, this is trouble, too, because, you know, we're going to pull our goalie. And it's going to be nice, a six on four. But he is not watching the game. He just knows. And, you know, it's pretty obvious. But at the yeah. same time, it's Bobby back in a hallway saying, this is what's going on on the other side of that wall. Uh, pretty remarkable. You guys in your hockey sense, you, uh, <laughs> you got it. Well, we talked about the forwards. Let's talk about these D. I mean, these are a couple uh, – uh, really good defensemen in terms of their offensive ability. They don't play D as well as some of uh, 
uh, of the defensemen the Blues have seen already in these playoffs. Brent Burns leading the postseason among defensemen with 14 points. Right behind him is his teammate Eric Carlson, number 12. Petrangelo, by the way, third there uh, with 11, so that's good. Um, You talked about these two might not be as good uh, defensively as the two defensemen we just saw uh, with Klingberg and, and with Heiskanen. First, let's go to Christiana. How do you think they match up defensively, the Blues versus the Sharks? I think that it's going to be a little bit of some ebbs and flows in the early portions of the series. And I think it's going to come down to the quick strike ability from the Blues off the rush after they either cause San Jose to turn the puck over or Bennington makes a big save in the offensive zone or defensive zone, and then they clear it right out. We saw that in the Dallas series where Klingberg was making guys miss left and right. He'd skate through the neutral zone with a head of steam. You even saw that in Game 7 overtime where Jordan Bennington stared down Klingberg in the slot, one of the key saves in that one. So you're going to have that type of behavior from Burns, from Carlson, because you got Vlasic staying at home. you got Brennan Dillon staying at home. So they'll always have one guy back, maybe in that third forward to – buy some time for the defenseman to get back. So for the Blues, they're going to have to break that cycle down, break those rushes through the neutral zone down. So then you've got a three-on-two, maybe even a two-on-one rush because it's going to be hard to get some offense against the San Jose Sharks if they're able to sniff out the play of Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly. If it comes down to depth in this series, I think the Blues are going to be fine, but you're going to want to stop the play from Burns and Carlson from developing because those guys can take it end-to-end with ease, and if the Blues are able to adjust to that like Craig Ruby did in the latter portions of that Dallas series, they're going to find themselves with some odd man rushes, but it's up for the Blues to capitalize. Jamie, we all know this. Uh, You don't need hockey sense to know this. Uh, By the way, 12 years in the league, our guest today, Jamie Rivers, uh, I saw you make a wicked pass at the Winter Classic alumni (laughs) game. Uh, I didn't see a lot of your old games they were like on the grainy black and white, but uh, but I did see that great pass at the Winter Classic. You know, the key to keeping the puck out of uh, Carlson's hands and Burns' hands is to you have the puck, uh, you be in the offensive zone. That's what the Blues are going to have to do. They're going to have to not necessarily come in waves, but have that uh, offensive possession. Uh, how do you see that? If, if they can keep Carlson and Burns from having the puck a lot, uh, that's the way it seems to me that you win that battle. Yeah, that's going to be a difficult thing to do, first of all, because they play a ton, both of those guys. Now, uh, they're both hero or zero defensemen, in my opinion, which means that they're high risk, high reward. And if you watch them, they cheat to the offense a lot. And I think this is where the puck management's going to come in for the Blues is you know, making sure that you're, instead of putting one through the middle of the ice or having a hope play or a hope pass or a wasted shot on net that we know Craig Berube doesn't like those wasters, But if we do that and create transition for the uh, San Jose Sharks, I can guarantee you that Burns and Carlson are going to be a part of that. So we have to manage the puck, keep it in the trenches, keep it going back down low. Don't try for that hope pass. Don't try for the backhand saucer pass or the middle when everybody's tired. Don't do it. Put it back down the wall. Drag it along the wall a little more. Make these guys become impatient. And that's going to be ultimately what hurts Burns and Carlson is they're so used to being a part of the action that – They're almost going to be craving more attention on the ice as far as getting the puck goes, and they'll start to leak out of their positions. They will be jumping on the offensive side of the rush. They'll be cheating. They'll be, you know, looking up ice rather than taking care of their own zone. And I think that if we manage the puck properly, we can generate offense like that and certainly create outnumbered situations because these guys feel like they have to be a part of every play. And if they're not, they'll go looking for it. They will, won't they? They'll go sniffing. 
And when they go sniffing is when you can get the puck behind them and hurt the rest of the team with outnumbered situations. They're kind of like sharks, Jamie. They are. They, it's they like they sharks are. swimming in the water, JR. <laughs> hey, we talked about uh, Jones earlier. He uh, has come on of late. Let's talk about Jordan Bennington for a minute before we get into some special teams. Uh, Jordan Bennington, has he done anything? Like, the guy is just so impressive. So I don't think anybody's surprised by what he did at the last round, but we should be. And by the way, I talked to uh, Jake Allen today a little bit about Jordan Bennington, and he said, you guys got to give him more credit when he goes an entire period just facing a single shot. You know how difficult that is. And I felt like next year the Blues are going to have to have, like, Blues sleeping bag night and just toss <laughs> one down to Jordan Bennington so he can sit there. Uh, Jordan Bennington, last round. Uh, you know, to me, this is, this is the guy that uh, he's helped change this season, done 180 for this team. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that have been a part of that, but – if you don't have Jordan Bennington, do you find yourself in this spot? I would argue that no, you don't, right? I mean, he's been a huge part of it. And we had the, uh, the luxury of talking to Corey Hirsch earlier, who was part of the team when they drafted Jordan Bennington. And he said, you know, he always showed a lot of high-end ability and that he could possibly get there one day. He used to get a lot more frustrated with goals against, and he would let it eat at him. And it's hard to believe that these are comments of a guy that we watch him now, and it's like he's got ice water running through his veins. And, you know, we've all seen that. Cristiano, I believe you posted this video, too, of Jordan Bennington leaving the crease after the maroon goal. You'd have thought it was just like the end of period one in a preseason game. Like, no big deal. And so that's where we're at with Jordan Bennington, and he just gives you hope. Every time he's out there, any shot that comes at him, you're not holding your breath as guys come down the wing ready to shoot it. You just feel confident that this guy's going to make the save. There won't be some crazy rebound. He's not going to get rattled. If he does go outside the box of being, you know, casual or being disciplined, it's going to be calculated. Like the episode at the end of the second period in Dallas where he goes after Ben and then Bishop. I mean, he was out of the box and right back into the box as far as mentally quickly. So I just I can't say enough positive things about this guy, Cristiano. He's just been a game changer for the Blues. Well, I like that you mentioned that, I guess you want to say incident, where he goes after Jamie Benn and gives a tiny little slash to Ben Bishop as they skate off. What happened through games five and seven? 950 save percentage, 1.33 goals against average, so that's 76 out of 80 shots Jordan Bington stopped. And you mentioned that period, the second period of game seven, 18 to one, the Blues outshoot the Stars. So you think, okay. Jordan Bennington's got to be a little rusty to start the third period. Dallas starts to get some offense going and look at overtime and even double overtime. There were shifts where the Stars hemmed the Blues in. There were tired forwards, tired legs out there, and Jordan Bennington had to make some spectacular saves. And you talk about earlier in the series with all those odd man rushes, especially in Game 5. And the Blues were able to somehow be kept in that game because of Jordan Bennington. You want to make the cliche of, oh, he doesn't look nervous, but everybody wants to count this kid out. They want to say that, oh, Jordan Bennington has finally cracked. But to be honest, I don't see that at all due to the quality chances against him and the amount of saves that he's made on odd man rushes and especially in time-sensitive situations where he needs to give his team a save and he's able to fit the bill time and time again. Jamie Cristiano tipped me off to a story. He said you should look into uh, Jordan Bennington, and you just mentioned it, uh, You know that he has no reaction after these big games, and he sent me a couple clips. So we're talking Braden Shen scores in Tampa Bay. You win in overtime, zero reaction. Jane Schwartz wins the game with 15 seconds to go in Winnipeg, the end of the game, no reaction. Big Rig scores in double OT, and Jordan Bennington 
skates away from the crease. So I called your buddy today, Kevin Weeks. I heard that interview you guys did with him a couple weeks ago. I told him, you know, he's just outstanding at this stuff. And uh, I said, you know Bennington. Like, this guy is not human. He said, <laughs> he said not human. He goes, you got to believe that if you cut him, it would be red blood. But how do you not get excited? And his answer to that was, you have to act like you've been there. And, I, and, I, and he felt that uh, Jordan, Pen- Jordan Bennington has played so well that he just that's what he lives by. He lives by the calm demeanor. You've seen it, I'm sure, with a lot of different goaltenders. But Jordan Bennington, it just seems to be next level with him in terms of that calmness. Yeah, he, he sits in there and it's uh... – you know, like you said, you bring up the comment like you've been there before, and to me, it's to be this way, the way the way he carries himself, it's almost like you're not focused on the end result of the game. It's weird to say that because everybody wants to win, but for me, it's like he's more focused on his next save, his next play, and that's what matters the most is if he can bring all of that to the table, then ultimately, yes, the, the team will be successful, but he doesn't celebrate just the good times like the overtime winner. And he doesn't break his stick over the crossbar after a goal. He just stays in the zone where next shot I face, I have to make the save. Oh, wow, we just won. Great. I guess I'll make that save next game. And that's what it kind of comes across as to me. It, it does. And uh, I can't wait to put that piece together. It should be up at The Athletic uh, sometime soon. Cristiano, what what, uh, how, what came about where you noticed that and you were able to uh, put two and two together that uh, Jordan Bennington, after every game, just doesn't seem to so, show much emotion? I just think it's something instinctual that you want to see how goaltenders react, especially after big goals. You see the occasional fist pump. You see Peter Mrazek slide out when uh, the Carolina Hurricanes score in Game 7 against the Washington Capitals. I mean, I watched Corey Crawford for a, a couple of years in Chicago after these big playoff goals, and he's celebrating in the crease. And, and it's like you're, you're hyping yourself up as a goaltender. You're like, okay, now the team's got it done. I have to shut it down. Bennington, it's just like the end of the first period. It's an offside. It's an icing. He, he doesn't treat anything different, and I think that goes to Jamie's point where he's just focused on the next chance, the next opportunity to keep his team in the game or keep the lead, and his focus has been off the charts and his technical ability in the crease, his lateral movement, he never seems to move. So I thought, all right, let's see how he reacts at the end of games after big goals. He doesn't really move. He doesn't really react, and it's just fitting as to how he's handled all of this I mean, I don't know even what you want to call it, this roller coaster of a season in St. Louis and also the success in the playoffs, knowing that so many people are doubting this kid. And I know he's not really a kid. He's 25 years old, but kid in terms of the NHL experience. And he has just passed with flying colors, and he's been able to somehow not react and not overreact, and that serves goaltenders well. I got some reaction from his Blues teammates about those lack of uh, reaction, that non-reaction by Jordan Bennington. Hey, before we get into a a prediction here, let's uh, get to one more quick topic, and that is the special teams. You know, special teams sometimes play a big role in playoff series, and it could have been in that last series. If the Blues lose, if uh, Dallas scores there in double overtime, uh, you're probably talking about that power play that was just awful uh, for the St. Louis Blues, and now you're going to run into a power play that's really good uh, in the San Jose Sharks. Looking at some numbers here, the Sharks – uh, look like they're 10th uh, on the power play in the playoffs, 18.5%. Um, so not as good as it typically is, but still some lethal weapons on that unit. Yeah, you have to be very aware of what's going on. I mean, they can throw a lot of different looks at you. They have split up Burns and Carlson. Then they'll double down and put them out there together, and they have a whole other look. Uh, Couture, Pavelski are threats all the time. Hurdle's always a threat. Joe Thornton, you never know where he comes into the equation. 
uh, although not primarily on the first unit, they're not afraid not afraid to slide him in there wherever. I mean, Joe Thorne's not going to hurt your power play. So it is a luxury that Peter DeBoer has right now of rolling different looks, different combinations, and he's pretty confident in the group overall. You know, I would argue at the same time, though, that the Dallas Stars had a pretty good power play. Yeah. And I would say that the St. Louis Blues uh, did a good job of not giving them a lot of opportunities to get the power play. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to have their hands full. It's not a It's not a great – at this time of year, the power play should be potent. You should be looking at the team's best across from you. So uh, discipline's going to be the big thing here. Uh, and certainly from there, a lot of hard work. But at this time of the season, you just have to limit the chances and then really outwork the other team's power play. The San Jose PK right now through the playoffs, 80%. Uh, the Blues, obviously, they went up against a good Dallas PK last round that was 15 for 15 against Nashville in the first round. I've never seen, personally, a PK that was more aggressive. I mean, coming 175 feet down the ice and kind of, you, you hate to use the word forechecking in that situation, but that's kind of what it was. But they were terrific. Uh, Cristiano, uh, the Blues, power play, they got a couple from Vladimir Tarasenko, but uh, big picture, they weren't uh, they weren't good overall. Uh, they made some adjustments. Uh, they were able to get through their zone and get through the neutral zone of, uh, towards the latter part of that series and, and gain the zone. Uh, I know they moved Alex Petrangelo back to that top unit along with Jaden Schwartz. They pulled Vince Dunn out, took David Perron out. Uh, but to me, Cristiano, the bottom line is it doesn't seem like they're shooting enough. I mean, they're going two and three power plays and coming away with just one or two shots. Uh, what are you seeing there? Well, when you're one for 20 in your last six games with the man advantage in the postseason, you just got to simplify. And you just mentioned it. The Blues aren't shooting enough. And I think that also is a testament to Dallas's ability to collapse and really surround that high slot and the low slot. They're not letting those wide open shots get through, but the Blues have to start picking their spots. They have to move the puck quicker. And I think they have to use the bumper in the high slot a little bit more. You look at San Jose's power play and what they do with Joe Pavelski, whether he's he goes from the goal line to the high slot, left and right circle. He's there for deflections. He's there for passes out quick from behind the net. And those are bang-bang plays that the Blues are going to have to defend first. But I think they're going to have to replicate on the power play because the Sharks are very aggressive. And once you get those 50-50 battles along the wall, you understand that you've got an extra guy on the ice. It's a five-on-four. If you're able to move that puck quick to the opposite side of the rink, you're going to have a breakdown. You're going to have an odd man rush, a mini odd man rush, that is, and the Blues are going to have to just start shooting the puck. I know Ben Bishop seemed like a brick wall. He's almost as big as one. But now you're playing against Martin Jones, who's let in some very leaky goals dating back to that Vegas series in the first round. He is not invincible. No goaltender is. you got to get traffic in front, and the pucks just have to be thrown to the front of the net, and they can't just keep passing the puck around in a circle for the first minute 20 and then don't even get enough zone time in the latter portions of the power play. All right, guys, it's time for the predictions. And, Jamie, you're walking around with your chest out because you said Sammy Blay is going to score a goal. You said they're going to double shift Robert Thomas. I'm going to walk around with my chest out. Well, actually, it always sticks out. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I said Blues in seven against the Dallas Stars. Blues in seven. I'll give you my prediction in just one second. Let's go to Cristiano first. Well, not to toot my own horn in or anything, but before Game 7, I joked, I said, the game's going to end in 84 minutes. Turns out it was uh, <laughs> it was close. 86, it was 86. Right? Yes. 
Um, and I said I would flatline if it went to double overtime. But no, no big deal. It's okay. Jamie, Jamie can get the credit. I'm kidding, of course. But <laughs> this uh, this series is going to be very tightly contested, like all playoff series are. But it's the Western Conference Final. I don't see this going four or five or even six. I think it's got to go seven. I think with the ability with St. Louis six and one when scoring three or more goals, five and one on the road, and then you look at San Jose six and two at home in the playoffs. Something's got to give. Something's got to break. But I think it's going to be the Robert Thomas show once again. But also, Tarasenko's got to break out. He was a guy that was silenced by Mark Edward Vlasic in the 2016 Western Conference Final. And vladdy has been held under wraps here in the first two rounds. He's been getting better. He's starting to get a little bit more hyped up in those even strength situations. And he's been using his strength, his power move. And I think he's going to try some extra things against San Jose that maybe they haven't seen before. And He's going to go to the front of the net a lot more, and the Blues are going to be able to somehow pull this series out in seven games and be sent to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 1970. That would be something. Uh, Cristiano, uh, yeah, what you said there, you know, it might happen. But what is about to be said as soon as uh, we finish up the podcast here, whatever Jamie tells me, (laughs) I'm calling Vegas. Uh, I'm I'm going to bet whatever he says here. But, uh, Jamie, how do you look at this series? Well, I think, uh, you know, to me, it's going to go six games. And I think that, yes, the Sharks have been very good at home. The Blues have been very good on the road. Uh, To me, it comes down to depth overall. Uh, Yes, I think that Vlasic will do a heck of a job against Vladimir Tarasenko. He will make life miserable for Vladdy. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is going to push through. He's a hardworking guy. He does a lot of little things that nobody even notices unless you're watching the video over and over again. Then you'll pick up certain things and go, oh, my God, what an amazing play. Uh, so even if you wash out our top three forwards because they're going to do such a fantastic job against us, I think lines two, three, and four possess enough scoring to throw them into fits. I don't see – they don't have six Vlasics on their point. They have a couple of real offensive guys, and they got the shutdown guy and Pickles himself, but the rest of them are going to struggle and against our top. I, I think for sure – yeah, there's holes in that defensive core, and once we get through those guys, when we get opportunity against Jones, I think we're going to make it count. So for me, Blues in sixth, and it's our offensive depth that will pay off. And the one factor that we didn't touch on, and I realize this is the case every playoff, there are a lot more Game 7s being played, I think the most in history so far through the first couple uh, rounds, but the Sharks played two Game 7s so far in their first two rounds, and the Blues played uh, one, and uh, so you're looking at 14 games, 13 games. You know, I think that blo- both teams kind of went through the ringer a little bit. And I'm not talking they were the Blues uh, LA Kings series of 2009-10 where everybody's coming out of this beat up, uh, but nonetheless, they've played a lot of hockey. I do also think the Blues will win this one in six. I think they'll wrap it up in home ice. They seem to be pretty good later uh, in the series and in, in the home games. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we're going to have fun breaking it down. We had a blast, Jamie Rivers. Thanks for taking the time to join us here today. Christiana, always thanking you uh, as well. Any final words before uh, we get this series underway, guys? I'm uh, just anxious to do this more and make sure that we're able to do this breakdown again before our next series, which would mean we got to the cup finals. Just enjoy the ride, Blues fans, because this is something that doesn't happen very often. And with this type of team, they've proven that anything can happen. And who can doubt this team after where they were in January? That was episode number nine. Jamie Rivers, Cristiano Simonetta, Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic St. Louis. We always appreciate you guys uh, hitting that play button and listening to this podcast. And we will try to keep up and do as many of these as we can throughout uh, the postseason. So have fun. Enjoy it like Cristiano said. And we'll talk to you next time.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Blue Line Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to The Athletic St. Louis and follow the guys on Twitter.